Hey folks, you want big league performance in your backyard? Look no further than Steel, S-T-I-H-L, steeldealers.com. You will find one local dealer, I'm sure, very close to you because they have over 10,000 nationwide from blowers and mowers to chainsaws and trimmers. The Steel AK Homeowner Series starts at just $199.99. It's battery-powered. They have electric. They have gas as well. Again, over 10,000 local dealers. Find yours at steeldealers.com, S-T-I-H-L, and get a big league performance in your backyard, as I have done for a number of years. I've told you many times I start my day and finish my day with Boyer's Coffee, especially when the Rockies are at home. I get that uh, cup of mocha that Deb makes special for me from uh, the Boyer's Cafe up on the club level at uh, Coors Field. You can do the same when you're there. You can do the same at home by going to boyerscoffee.com. In fact, they will send you their product right to your front door. So you can pick it online and boom, you don't even have to go to the store. But if you go to the store, they're well stocked there as well. It's boyerscoffee.com. And they always have deals going if you do check them out online. And if you have the opportunity, go up and see their food truck and the many promotions they have usually toward the weekend. It's 73rd and Washington. They have a lot of good eats there as well. It's Boyer's Coffee. They have been brewing great, great coffee in the Rocky Mountain region since 1965. This week on the Drew Goodman Podcast, Rockies interim general manager, Billy Schmidt, on the decision to not trade Trevor Story. You know, what I would tell our fans out there that at the end of the day, it wasn't from lack of effort. We had conversations with about four or five clubs, some teams had different feelings on the value that they placed on the player than than what we did. And so ultimately, you know, we made the decision. We're probably better keeping Trevor going forward. And Billy talks about what's next for the Rockies and what may be next for Trev. Also, Drew breaks down the misunderstanding with the fan yelling at Dinger. Subscribe to the Drew Goodman Podcast wherever you find podcasts. And leave a comment and tell a friend. This is the Drew Goodman Podcast. Welcome in, everybody. It is podcast number 109, which I keep screwing up every week. I've been shorting myself one, and I don't want to do that. You know, don't want to short myself. So uh, glad you're along. Glad you're telling all your friends about uh, our little project here that we're now into our third year, which kind of boggles my mind. Um, But uh, we're having fun. We're having fun. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you once again for joining joining us each and every week. Special guest, as you just heard from Marky. And I'm going to tell you more about Marky in a second. But uh, Marky, who engineers this uh, show and puts it together every week, is also the voice that you hear. Billy Schmidt, who's the uh, acting uh, general manager, the interim general manager, and certainly a strong candidate to be uh, the permanent general manager of the Rockies, is going to join us in a little bit. And we'll talk about the trade deadline. We'll talk about uh, the near term and the long term with the Rockies and why this club can turn things around pretty quickly. So uh, I think you'll uh, really glean a lot out of that uh, conversation that we'll have that we'll get to in a few moments. One of the things I'm going to do today that's a little bit different is uh, I was telling you about my man, Marky, and um, he does a, a fabulous job. He's a legend in this town. I'm probably going to embarrass him right now on in, in uh 
in doing radio programs, editing radio programs and uh, being a board op. And, and he has a whole studio at his house. But he's a huge sports fan, first and foremost, huge sports fan. So we always talk about, uh, you know, what's going on. And um, I thought it'd be kind of neat to periodically bring Mark on so we can BS a little bit about sports. And he always has uh, interesting questions. So with that, and I hope I didn't embarrass him too much, but we'll bring in uh, Marky. How you doing, brother? Hey, Drew. Good to be with you on this show. It's also part of my job to make sure you number the podcast correctly. So thanks for calling it uh, 109. That is, you, you got it right this week. Yeah, I know. I screwed it up two straight weeks. I shorted myself, which, um, you know, kind of is what it is, I suppose. Uh, this past week, now, there, are no, there are no weeks in the sports world that, that lack for something. I mean, the Olympics just ended obviously but there's some weeks where it seems like more stuff is going on and um with the conclusion of the olympics and then the rockies playing really well at home though as we tape this it's wednesday after the houston uh afternoon game the rockies you know lost both games in houston we'll get to that but it, it seemed like the the story for for 20 minutes in certainly in baseball but really in, in the sports world was what didn't occur, thankfully, 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 at Coors Field on Sunday. Now, Marky, before I, I, you know, bring you in a little further, I want to give people a little background. So Sunday night, it was pretty late. I mean, it's, you know, past most people's bedtime. And I became aware of this, this idea that someone was yelling a racial slur late in the ballgame in the ninth inning at Coors Field. And, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. You know, first of all, awful. Second of all, if microphones picked it up, why did I not hear it? And I waited till the next morning because it was really late. And I called first my man, Spilly, my partner. And I said, Spilly, did you hear any? Did you hear this? And he said, no, I never heard anything. I called our producer he had never he never heard anything, and he had checked with our what's known as in the business as you know, Marky, the A one, who's uh, the lead audio person who's mixing the show, or in this case, the ball game. No one on our side had heard it, and when I looked at the video late Sunday night, I I did hear what was going on pretty clearly, but that was Miami's broadcast, and. You know, there were some people, uh, I'll tell you this, because, you know, we all know the Twitter universe is is crazy and full of uh, um, mashugana, I'll use a Yiddish word, which is uh, for crazy, <laughs> for those that speak a little bit of Yiddish. And somebody was giving me a hard time. How come you're not commenting on this? You ruined this guy's life. You know, you, you should come out. And, and I felt like saying, and it's really hard for me, Marky, because... You know, you know me a little bit. I'm very competitive and I want to fire back at these people like say, hey, dumbass, why don't you do a little homework? That wasn't even our broadcast. But I resisted. I resisted. Well, right. And not not only would you have said something had you actually thought you heard something like that on the broadcast, everybody in the section wherever the guy was sitting the guy would have been eviscerated. The guy would have been shouted down by everybody in his section. And I don't think that happened, right? No, clearly. And, and first of all, again, thankfully, this was misinterpreted. As we all know the story now, this guy was yelling for 
Dinger, the Rockies mascot, because evidently he wanted to take a picture with or have a picture with his grandson or something along those lines. And that was what was going on. I would, uh, number one, you're 10 million times accurate. You know me. If I had heard that and then verified with the truck first, hey, am I hearing what you think we're all hearing? I would do exactly as my colleague and a friend, Paul Severino, who's the television play-by-play guy uh, for the Marlins, did. And that would completely and utterly denounce any sort of hate speech and apologize profusely that microphones picked it up. I would do that. I've done that privately. I would do that publicly. I've done it publicly. Um, So what Paul did was the absolute right thing to do, and it's it's what I would have done if you thought you were hearing what you were hearing. And again, as I said earlier, thankfully, that was not the case. Andrew, how much of this is because, you know, and we've we've seen a number of of mishaps for for guys like you that are trying to call a game that's on the road, but you're 500 miles away in a studio. How much of this is because you're not actually in the stadium and you don't get the full context? You don't get the full sort of like atmosphere of the building and like just to defend to defend your friend on the on the Miami broadcast, do you think this actually this mishap occurs if they're broadcasting at Coors Field? Well, it's an interesting question. Let me answer it in two ways. Um, first of all, the, one of the reasons we didn't hear it, if people are going, well, why the hell didn't you guys hear it? We were talking. Now, remember, the Rockies had a great weekend against Miami. It's now the ninth inning on Sunday. Miami's gotten their ass kicked for three straight days. I've been there as a broadcaster. You just want the thing to be over. There's not a lot (laughs) left to say. So they had a lot more, quote unquote, dead air. And you could hear the cat calling, um, in this case, this guy yelling for Dinger, um, somewhat clearly. I wouldn't say really clearly. And to your observation, your question about, if they were in the ballpark, as traditionally they would be, uh, you know, maybe through other cameras, they would have been able to realize that this guy is looking at the Rockies mascot, who was, I, you know, I'm guessing 30, 40 feet away. And this person is clearly yelling at the mascot. So um, there's a poss- there, there's a possibility or a much stronger possibility if they're in the ballpark, it was a little more clear what was going on. Again, the reason we, the home broadcast, didn't hear this is I'm talking to Spilly at that point in time. And the A1, again, Mark, you're, an, or you're a sound engineer also. You understand this. A lot of times they're going to ride the nap sound mics, the field mics, because we're talking. And so they're going to bring them down subtly. So we never heard any of Nobody on our broadcast um, heard this. But on Miami's, they weren't talking and, and their mics, the, the field mics were up a little bit more. And so they did hear it. And and you guys are, are you know, when you're, when you're in the ninth inning, you're and you're about to they're about to win their fourth game in a row. Your energy is is up a little bit, and you guys are a little bit more chatty at that point of the broadcast. Yeah, absolutely. We've had a great weekend. When I say we, the Rockies have had a great weekend. They've hit at that point in time, Mark. You what? They'd hit eleven home runs, six that day. You know, we're we're still having a grand old time covering covering the team. I have been countless times on the other side. In fact, it happened. Oh, it was it was in Anaheim. 
the about a week and a half earlier when the Rockies were losing to the Angels and it was the ninth inning and some drunk fan was wearing out Connor Joe. Go back to AAA, that sort of thing. And I was talking about this guy that, you know what, uh, I, I forget what I said, but I said, you know, this guy, I, I hate this about, you know, fans at a ballpark. This guy, whether he just got called up from AAA or in the case of Connor Joe, he's doing really well, as we know, but these are these guys are trying their ass off. And this guy, even if he's the worst major leaguer, as my dad taught me years ago, he's one of the greatest players on the planet. So who are you to, to wear this guy out? And I know fans do that and they have the right if they buy a ticket, et cetera, et cetera. But we were talking about it because we could hear him on the microphones that were field level. And he eventually, interestingly, got you know evicted from <laughs> the uh, the ballpark because he was over the top. But we heard that that night because the Rockies were down, uh, there weren't that many people left a, a, at the Big A, so we did hear it that night. But we did not hear what allegedly had taken place late in the ballgame on Sunday. Well, and you're going to have also, right, limited control, of not only over what you see, but you also of the, the crowd mics. Am I right about that? When you're when you're trying to call a road game, yeah, I mean, not only that, but contrary to what you know, some people and I understand they don't work in television or sports television, so they don't know. I, you're, it's always amazing. People think that everything that happens on the air, oh, the announcers control, or the play-by-play guy in particular controls. Why did you show that guy? Why did you put that graphic up? What? It's a whole team of people working their butt off. Uh, to to make a presentation. I don't direct the show, um, and I'm not picking shots, etc. So there, there's a lot of naivete out there, and it's understandable because unless you work in sports television, uh, you would have no idea. Um, and also, and 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 also going back to that that series uh, at uh, at the Angels, Drew. I th- I, rem- I feel like there was a. Uh, an at bat for one of the Rockies sometime in that series where from the center field camera, it looks like, wow, that guy really turned on it. And then it ends up being, you know, a foul ball well short of anything. I think you had one of those. I, I think you probably had those maybe in every series where you've had to call games on the road. I, I think almost every day. I, I just got off the air a little while ago and we were in our you know studio uh, in Denver calling the two games against Houston. It'll be the same thing tomorrow night when the Rockies begin the four game set in San Francisco as we tape our podcast this week. But yeah, the, uh, it, it's hard to tell sometimes. Charlie Blackman had a play um, on Tuesday night where he ended up throwing the ball into the ground and we all of a sudden the guy from first is scoring on a ball in the corner in right field and you thought, man, eh, it's probably unusual that he's going to score on that. And we didn't know what happened because we can't see. We Eventually, they had a, a replay shot of, of Charlie. It almost looked like he changed his mind in mid-throw and, and, and spiked the baseball. But it took a while to figure that out. And I, I remember watching that. It's like, what well, you guys, show us, show us. They, they want to, I guess the guys in Houston want to show their guys scoring. But we're, we're all at, and back in Denver, we're like, well, wait, show us Charlie. Show us what happened to Charlie on that play. You guys don't get the... You, you're getting you're at the discretion of of the Houston Houston TV guys though, right? We control one camera on a road broadcast. That's it. And it brings us to kind of a, the bigger question, Drew, and I know you get asked this all the time, when are you guys going to get to go on the road to do games? I uh, I don't think, you know, I don't think in, in 2021, I think we're talking about 
hopefully everybody's back on the road and we're quote unquote back to normal in 2022. But, uh, you know, there, there are too many entities that, you know, you're talking about certain stadiums are ready for it. Certain stadiums are not. Uh, you know, you have budgets that were built on no travel this year. Um, there's a lot of things way above my pay grade. <laughs> um, but the long winded answer, or the short answer to that question is, I don't think very many at all are going to go on the road. I know the Cubs broadcast has gone on a couple, but they were closer to Chicago, driving up to Milwaukee, uh, St. Louis, which they could drive to. Uh, you know, it, it has to do with vaccination rates. And, you know, we're all vaccinated and the Rockies were one of the first teams to be above 85 percent. But um, I don't see it happening uh, so far in, uh, you know, in 2021. And we're well into August now and the season We'll conclude at the end of uh, of September, so uh, well, we're, we're not going anywhere this year. And, and Drew, like I, I feel for you guys. I mean, not only you know your, your friend in Miami, but for somebody in every market has gone through this. Including, I want to play this for you. This is for people that haven't heard it. John Sterling. This is him with Susan Waldman. He's the the venerable play by play announcer of the Yankees. Listen to what happens here. Now here is Judge. Man, the breaking ball is hit in the air to yeah. deep left. That ball is high. It is far. It is gone. But wait. Unfortunately, yeah. that was a replay of the home run. But it was a good replay. Hmm. Hey, well, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's on the monitor. Boy, what, what, what am I supposed to do? This is a great way to do a game, isn't it? Yep. I feel for what you guys have gone through this summer and last summer, Drew. Well, you, you know, you just heard that one from, from John Sterling with Susan Waldman, and, and they've done a great job for years and years on radio with the Yankees. And I know exactly what happened. Now, I'm doing television, but if you're doing radio, you're just seeing a feed. Now, if I was on television, my producer could say very quickly, hey, we're replaying um, Aaron Judge's home run from earlier in the ball in the third inning, right? So I know that. But if you're just the radio guys and you're getting the TV feed, he has his head down, he's looking at a couple of notes, and he looks up and boom, Aaron Judge, who's at the plate, is hitting a home run, and you think that's happening right now, that you were just a little bit late lifting your head to see the pitch on the way. And I love John's John's reaction to that. It's like, what do you want me to do? <laughs> you know, he's just like <laughs> Yeah. And, and I'll t- I'll give you something else because Mark, you asked me and we were, we were talking about the the Charlie Blackman throw, for instance, the other day, and I'll, I just see a ball rolling in the middle of the grass. I don't even know where it is in the grass. Was it overthrown and it's now in left field? Was it in right field? Was it in foul territory because it was an errant throw to the plate? I just see a ball rolling in the grass. I have no idea where it is. Well, my wife Beth and I were yelling the same thing. We're like, what? What just happened? What did show us Charlie? Show us Charlie. You know? Right. And, and Marky, if if we're with the team and again, this is not a, a complaint. I understand where we are as a world. And I'm so thankful that we're, we're playing a full season and we're all working again. Myself, my partners, my partners uh, that no one knows about who work in television, uh, the ballpark concessionaires and everybody who make their living. Uh, you know, and, and need to have a full season of baseball. So I'm thankful. So this isn't a bitch session. I do know at some point we'll get back to being on the road, which is a necessity, not only from calling it, but I would have been able to chat with Charlie this morning and say, hey, man, what, you know, what happened exactly on that throw? And he said, oh, what, you know, I was going to throw it to the plate and then I do re, I was trying to redirect it the second and it slipped out of my hand or whatever. And I could pass that on to the audience. Well, I couldn't 
today because I didn't see Charlie this morning and Charlie wasn't, you know, on a Zoom call after the game last night. It was just Buddy. There was no other player, uh, I think, made available. But the Rockies got shut out 5 to nothing Tuesday night. So you miss that. You miss the interactions, the daily interactions with players where you can pass along anecdotes or just information quickly. So, yeah, and, and again, we're going to get back to that hopefully in 2022. It's a necessity to do our jobs correctly. I understand where we are in 2021, though it's tough at times. Well, you guys have done a great job. Even so, Drew, it's uh, it's been it's been enjoyable to watch. It, it, it's there's been a lot lot to look at this year with your Rockies. Well, yeah, and um, you know, I should say our Rockies, our Rockies. Yeah, you're, you're <laughs> come on, man, you're a fan. It's a, it's yeah. it's the region's team, and you know, Marky, the last couple games in Houston aside, and I don't know as we tape this what's going to transpire in San Francisco. I know this much, man. The Rockies have been much better on the road. I know the last two were were crummy, one run and and ten hits. Uh, they've been great at home. This is they have the largest disparity home win rec, home win percentage versus road win percentage in the history of baseball. They're 13 and 42 on the road, which is flat out awful. We all know that. It's terrible. In fact, Buddy, after the game on two, on Wednesday, he said, listen, we have to be a lot better offensively. You can tell he's perturbed. Yet the last road trip, they hit 18 home runs in 10 games. They're in most of the games. They go four and six on that West Coast swing. You know, it included good teams. Dodgers, Angels are solid. And and the Padres and they did they did nicely. Then they come home and they hit seventeen more home runs. Well, if I'm a team that's contending right now, Drew, like say San Francisco or the Padres, and they they're uh, these are teams that are scheduled to be here soon. I'm I'm worried about coming to Coors Field. It, that's not that's that's something to be concerned about if you're somebody that's it's in a in a pit, you know trying to win get yourself into the postseason and you got to visit Coors Field between now and the end of the season. That's a concern for teams right now. Absolutely. And what you want to see, the Rockies aren't going to the postseason. We understand that. We've known that for a long time, right? But you want to see improvement, collective improvement, and also individual improvement, which would give you hope that next year, the Rockies with the right moves, and we're going to talk about this with Billy Schmidt, because they have that rotation, can actually be a contending club. And I believe that. And I'm I'm not saying that just from, you know, purple covered glasses or whatever the hell you want to say, or because I have to say, I don't have to say that. If the Rockies had one guy in their rotation and four other journeymen, I'd say, listen, they, they have a lot of work to do to get back to where they were in 2017 and 2018. But because they have that rotation and I've seen improvement from some young guys, you know, McMahon's at-bats are better than they've ever been. Connor Joe, I know, small sample size, kind of intriguing. Sam Hilliard. He's really fun to watch. Yeah, it's been better. Don't you agree? Yeah, yeah. And, and, well, Drew, for, for everything that you've seen, I mean, this has been a year like no other for the Rockies in so many senses. I mean, starting off with the the Nolan trade right up to, you know, the 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 misunderstanding with the Dinger thing last weekend and the the Trevor story, not trade. And then, oh, oh, by the way, add in the all-star game for whatever you want to say about the Rockies or how, how they've been managed. This is not a boring baseball team. 
they are it's it's almost like it's, what's going to happen next i got a wild one for you do you realize i mean the rockies were a, a you know have been till recently and take away these last two games, a poor offensive team. You'd never think that with the Rockies. You think, oh, they're always going to score a lot of runs. They're the Rockies. They play at altitude, et cetera. They've been um, a poor offensive team. They were a poor offensive team in 2020. They were a poor offensive team, quite frankly, in 2019. And we've seen, as we were just alluding to, significant improvement. Here's a stat for you. The first 90 games of the year, the Rockies were one of the three teams that had the fewest home runs per game in baseball. So in other words, they ain't hitting the ball out of the ballpark. For 90 games, I think they were 28th in baseball and home runs per game. The last 25 games, they have been number one in baseball in hitting the ball out of the ballpark. And that's not just oh, he had just a good week. They're starting to, their guys are improving. Which is harder to explain, Drew? The uh the, the playing so well at home and struggling on the road or the turnaround in the amount of power that they've had of late. And how do you even, can you even, is that something you can even, I, I know they try to coach it all the time, but can you set an intention back in May or June when you say, okay, we don't have enough power. Let's, how do you coach power and suddenly get power? I don't think it's coaching power. I think it's guys slowly figuring out young players, young in terms of service time, figuring out how to hit at the big league level, swinging at strikes, letting borderline pitches go by. Connor Joe's a great example of that. He swings at strikes. If, if, if He takes his walks. And now when he does get in offensive counts, you've seen some, some pop from him. He's always been a guy that, you know, going back to the minor leagues that had the ability to hit it out. Sam Hilliard, we know, has extraordinary pop. He has to cut way down on the strikeouts. Lately, and you hope he sustains this, and we had two strikeouts today, but lately he's been striking out less, which means he's getting in better counts, and if he can take a good swing, as soon as he touches the ball, it goes far. And so I think you're seeing some of that as opposed to, hey, you know, it's simply coaching. It's experience. It's at bats. It's a wealth of at-bats, and there is no uh, way you can become better at the big league level without a multitude of big league at-bats. And which is more of a mystery, Drew, like the sudden turnaround in the power or the splits between home and road? Well, overall, the, the splits are so dramatic because the Rockies have one of the three best records in baseball at home, and they have you know the worst record in baseball on the road, you wouldn't think there would be that large a delta. But to me, to me, Drew, it, that's that's one of the things that makes this team kind of fascinating. Yeah, well, I think they'd like to be less fascinating, Marky. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sure they would on, on that level. But but like I said, they're not boring. They're 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 not boring, and um, we'll we'll see how they play the rest of the way on the road. As I said. These two games in Houston aside, they've been they've been far more competitive. They've been scoring more runs. And, uh, you know, San Francisco is not generally a place you go to say, hey, let's get the offense healthy. But we'll see, uh, you know, how they match up in that four game set in San Francisco. I want to segue now to the conversation, our ideal home loans conversation with Billy Schmidt, because I think people uh, will be interested to hear, um, you know, his candid take on where this club is and also 
you know, how the trade deadline played out. So without further ado, uh, the interim general manager of the Rockies, Billy Schmidt, our Ideal Home Loans Interview of the Week. Well, Billy, you know what the first question is, because uh, I know you've been running around crazy, uh, which you normally do year-round, and it's uh, on planes and seeing amateur uh, players from high school and the collegiate ranks. Now uh, you're wearing multiple hats. Uh, how crazy has your life been? Uh, well, needless to say, once May came, it became a little different. and um, you know, But we have good people in this organization, so they, they help me. Uh, makes the transition very good. You know, Marcus and Danny Montgomery, you guys have been with me, Dan and I, know him, you know, for uh, in case of Demon and, and Damon, you know, 20 plus years they've been with me. So uh, they made that part good. Um, the summer's been a little different. Usually, like you said, I'd, I would be traveling um, and not and seeing the amateur stuff and not doing that. Um, just taking some adjustments, but. Uh, I think for most part everything's went pretty good. Is it a little more gratifying almost when because you and I have talked many times over the years? You know, you you put in all this work on a guy and you you, you draft him in the first round and you draft the guy in the seventh round and all of a sudden he blossoms and you're, you're aware of it certainly, but you're now focused on on the next draft because that you know that was your you know singular focus almost and and you just see them from afar but now to have your hands on guys like McMahon who you know you originally saw when he was a teenager uh, how neat is that oh it, it's uh, it's very gratifying uh it really to deal with them you know more you know day to day where before you know i'd see him periodically throughout the course of the season um Say hello, and then I was in and out. Uh, but now I'm, you know, like I said, I'm dealing with it day to day and getting to know him probably more on a personal basis than I have. So it's been enjoyable. What's your day like now, Billy? I mean, you're you're with the club in Houston as we speak. Um, you know, you'll be in the clubhouse before the game, after the game. Talk to Buddy and the staff. I mean, take us through your day if you would. Today we'll have uh, Pete Lambert's going to throw a sim game. Um, as he's making his progress back from the Tommy John. And uh, so we'll do that here this afternoon. And then, you know, I'm, I'm really here just to support Buddy and the coaches and, and oh, really the whole staff. Uh, and how, how can I help those guys? And I've kind of taken that approach. And then normally when we're at home, you know, I'm in the office early in the morning and just dealing with things as they come up in all areas of its player development, if it's amateur scouting, professional scouting, or, you know, checking in with Orlando and the international, how I can help him. Um, and then that carries over to a lot of other things outside of baseball that I have to deal with. So, um, you know, you can get pulled in a lot of different directions. Um, when you're focused for the last 22 plus years, it's really, as you said, the amateur scouting. But now it's looking at the whole baseball operation, in some cases, the, you know, the organization. Have you found that, you know, through the, the trade deadline process, Billy, that, that you, as long as you've been in this game, and it's and it's been a long time going back to your coaching days, et cetera, uh, did you find that you're now formulating even, you know, newer relationships with, you know, people who did something different than you were doing on a daily basis, you know, other GMs, so to speak? Yes, you know, and a lot of people you respected. I mean, you say we had some conversations with the 
you know, name two clubs, the Phillies and the Yankees. So there was Dave Dombrowski, who I've met Dave throughout the years, but, you know, we had a lot of conversations. And then Brian Cashman, who I have a lot of respect for. We have to be at the Yankees. It really started out at the Yankees at the same time. Um, but him in New York and myself in the amateur scouting. And so our paths really never cross. Uh, but, uh, you know, getting to have discussions with those guys, baseball talks was, was enjoyable. And, uh, um, you know, so, so those are two of the guys from the example. Do, do you find now, you know, I know you haven't worn the hat as, as a GM for a long period of time, but you, relationships and, and even ultimately when you do a deal or if you don't do a deal, relationships in baseball are really important. Have you found that? Oh, I've always known that yeah. throughout all of my years in the game. It is about relationships, about communication, uh, and people you can trust. And I think that, you know, and respect, having respect for people. And, uh, but it's no different things that go on in your daily life. It's always comes back to communication. Do you, do you have a feel? Do you have a feel, Billy, for what your managerial style uh, will be or is? I mean, you've managed people for a long time, so it's not like this is this is a, you know new territory, but it's additional territory, if you will. Yeah, I, I, I don't see things changing. Uh, you know, if I was to get the position, really, I would like to think it hasn't changed. I haven't changed over the last five months. But, you know, you're there to try to help serve people and uh, help people grow be the best version of themselves they can be. And I've always tried to do that uh, in managing people is to, you know, be there to support them. Ultimately, you know, you're in a position where you have to make decisions, but it's never about you. It's about a group of people. And uh, that's how the approach I've always taken. And and one of the decisions, you know, big decisions that got a lot of attention was, you know, whether or not to move uh, Trevor Story. And ultimately, you guys as an organization decided that it was best to um, uh, not move him at, at that point in time. First of all, I'm sure fans want to know, were you were you close to a deal or you just felt that what was offered um, was, was not going to be in the same value as a potential compensatory pick? You know, what I would tell our fans out there that at the end of the day, it wasn't from lack of effort. We had conversations with about four or five clubs. Uh, I would, uh, I wouldn't say we really ever came close. Some teams, you know, uh, had different feelings on the value that they placed on the player, uh, than they, than what we did. And so ultimately, you know, we made the decision at the end, uh, and based on what we were being offered, that we're probably better keeping Trevor going forward. I had told Trevor, I had met with Trevor about a week before, a week before the trade deadline, that you know there was a chance that could happen if we didn't get what we felt was what we were looking for. Um, and you know, at the end of the day, we made the decision we'd be better off just keeping him for the last two months. And, and going through that process. Do you have a feel, um, you know, obviously it takes two to tango, and, and you were on record uh, right after the deadline and saying, yeah, we'd love to have Trevor long-term. He was raised a Rocky. Shoot, you you know, you drafted him, uh, you know, originally out of the out of the Dallas Metroplex uh, area. Um, is, that, is that doable? Is that, you know, pie in the sky? Uh, how do you view it? Um, you know, yeah, we, we, 
you know, we're a scouting and development organization, first and foremost. And, um, you know, we love to see our guys, you know, who start with us also finish realistically. We, we know that's not always going to be the case. Um, we'll see what the fall and the winter brings. Um, and if we're able to make it happen, we'd love to make it happen. Uh, like I said, I, I, I think a lot, I have a lot of respect for Trevor, not only as a player, but as a person. Hey, hey, Billy, one of the things I was kicking around recently, you know, and before the game, I think Spilly and I and Huey were talking about this one day. Um, you know, when you look in the crystal ball and you look forward and you say, can, how sustainable is it to pay guys, you know, $300 million over eight, nine, ten years? I mean, I, I guess there's going to still be those contracts. There's going to be outlier players like a Fernando Tati, certainly, or, or a Mike Trout. But do you think uh, the trend may be with these elite, elite players to, you know, the AAV going up, but shorter term, so there's a light at the end of the tunnel, you know, a guy is a $30 million player, maybe you pay him, uh, you know, three years and 90, or excuse me, three years and uh, $120 million, which is a crazy amount of money, I understand, but at least you, you, you know that it's not eight, nine years out. Yeah, I don't know if even with those type of dollars you're talking about that we would be that type of organization and having that, you know, I think we'll be about a team. Now, could that happen as within the industry? Sure, anything's possible. Um, I remember when the most the first round pick got was a hundred thousand, and that was a lot of money way back when. Um, and to think now that guys are getting seven million dollars to be in the first pick. Um, so anything's possible. Um, you know, but everyone has different business models that they have to deal with. So um, I wouldn't rule out anything, but, uh, you know, it'll be interesting what the future brings. More with Rockies interim general manager, Billy Schmidt, in a moment. But first, this from my uh, good friends at Ideal Home Loans. They've been in business for 20-plus years. I'll tell you about them uh, every week. They have an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau because they're outstanding at what they do. So if you're looking to save money, and aren't we all, give them a call at 303-867-7000, 303-867-7000. Brent Ivinson's team has taken care of me on several occasions, and uh, you are going to save money because interest rates are tremendous. They're going to put you in the right product. They're going to listen to your situation first and foremost and make sure you're in the right product. They're going to make the process as easy as can be. And uh, that's why they have so many repeat people coming back. Again, their number is 303-867-7000. It's Ideal Home Loans. So if you're in the market for a new home, if you're refinancing, even if you're unsure whether you can save enough money right now to refinance because you feel like you have a good rate, it's worth it to give them a call. If you're going to do a project around the house and you're interested in uh, perhaps uh, coming up with some more money, give them a call. If you're consolidating debt, give them a call. Uh, it doesn't hurt. 303-867-7000. Ideal home loans. I want to tell you once again about an outstanding family law firm that I could not recommend any higher. And we know that unfortunately divorces happen and people grow apart. It's a reality. It's a difficult time in life and a difficult process to navigate. You need understanding. You need compassion coupled with outstanding legal advice and counsel. And you'll find it at one of the top family law firms in the region in Cox, Baker, and Page. That's Cox, Baker, and Page. 
They've been celebrated and honored for their work and their compassion for a number of years by U.S. News and World Report and Laura Page. And Mary Cox are consistently listed by them with a best lawyer distinction. So if you or someone you know needs assistance, reach them at coxbakerandpage.com. Mention you heard it from me and receive a discount on your initial consultation. Once again, it's coxbakerandpage.com, a family law firm. Now back to more with Billy Schmidt. Hey, real quick one on, on one of the other guys whose names came up, Billy, quite a bit, obviously, John Gray. And John, John's always been a, a guy that has you know, said, I'm really comfortable in Denver. And I think you're on record as saying, you know, you want to do everything you can to keep John in the fold. And you kind of pulled him back from uh, being available. Uh, are you are you confident that, that you can keep John uh, and extend him, if you will? We're optimistic that we'll be able to pull to, to work something out with John. Uh, you know, right. As you said, John's on record and uh, saying he'd like to be here and, uh, you know, if it's possible, we'd like to have John here. Uh, you know, past the end of the season, and we and we made the decision, uh, you know, through the trade deadline to see if we could try to work it out. Uh, you know, I'm optimistic that we'll get something here and keeping John as a rock. When you, I've often wondered this: when you um, do what you've done for so long, um, at what point in time do you get excited? about a prospect and their minor league performance. For instance, because I, as you know, I pay close attention to this. One of the kids who got El, El Harris, I'm probably butchering his first name, Montero, in the St. Louis deal. Uh, he, he's had a tremendous last five, six weeks in Hartford. He leads uh, the Eastern League in, in home runs. I think he's number one in OPS, et cetera. Ezekiel Tovar, you know, young kid in shortstop, uh, uh, that Rolando signed is having a great year in Fresno. Drew Romo, a kid that you draft, the high school kid out of the Woodlands in, in Houston. Zach Veen. I mean, you know all the guys better than I do, obviously. But when, when, Billy, when do you get excited about their minor league numbers? Because the four guys I mentioned are having you know terrific years. Yeah, they're no, they're doing very well, and uh, and we do have a lot of guys doing a good job in the minor leagues, probably more so than we give our guys get credit for. Um, you know, you look at where they're at and what the challenges are. Um, you know, and you look in case, uh, and I'll use Zach Green as an example. He started off slow, but as the season has progressed, he has made progress, and that's what you're looking for um, to the point where, okay, what's the next challenge? And those are things that were really all, you know, you talk about Tovar, and I think he's really a good-looking player. We just moved him from Fresno to Spokane a couple weeks ago. And felt like he was ready for uh, for a new challenge. And the other three guys that might be coming to, or we'll let them finish out the season and, and you know take on the new challenge next year. Um, but you all, they're all on a journey, and not necessarily is the journey always a straight up and down road. It kind of goes forward, backward, sideways, and and you realize that. But you look at at the current level of where they're at, and you know, each player in our system has a player plan, uh, physical, fundamental, uh, you know, and a mental. Uh, and once they've accomplished what they're set to do, um, then you, you throw another challenge in front of them. So, uh, and that's true with every player. So uh, I'm excited about what our guys have done, those especially the four you mentioned. 
but we have some other guys doing some good jobs too out there. Yeah, and, and you know it's wild because every once in a while, uh, you know, you'll see a guy that you know we mentioned Tatis earlier, freakishly talented, Juan Soto, freakishly talented, and and they arrive as as really puppies, nineteen, twenty years old. When you look at some of your young guys, how do you know when they, other than performance, when they're ready to make, you know, multiple jumps and all of a sudden you say, hey, I think this guy can handle himself at the big league level, even though he's 21. The challenge is set up in front of them where our staff thinks, you know, they need to do to, to accomplish the level they're on. Um, and we'll sit down as a group and, and we'll talk about it. Our that you know the player plans, as I mentioned, those are gone over monthly, and uh, so new challenges are set forth, and uh, so we evaluate them and we'll set them on to their next challenge. Hey, Billy, I, I was talking about this last week on uh, on my little endeavor here that that I really believe and 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 I try to be objective about this, even though I have a significant bias because I want to see the club. You know, I've been involved with them forever, so I want to see the club do great, obviously. Um, but I, objectively, the hardest thing, or, or the whether it's 10-year-old baseball, Billy, your kids played, my kids played, so, so we both understand this. It, it's always about starting pitching at any level, 10-year-old baseball, 12-year-old baseball, minor league baseball, high school baseball, big league baseball. And the unique thing about the Rockies is that Arguably, they have the best rotation. You have the best rotation you've ever had, which means to me, and we've seen, uh, you know, a nice turnaround the last, you know, couple of months overall with the record. But to me, there's no reason this team can't contend in 2022 if you add a couple bats. I know this is easier said than done. And, and there's improvement, significant improvement down in the bullpen. Do you see it that way or do you look at it with still more of a longer range type of thing to get back to where you were in 17 and 18? Well, as you said, the, the starting pitching staff that you know, we currently have uh, is probably as good as, I don't disagree, it's as good as we've had here in a long, long time, if ever, as an organization. So, you know, I give Jeff a lot of credit, uh, you know, put, put it together. Uh, you know, and I said it back when I took over after watching for a little bit that I thought there was pieces here that were going to help us. And uh, as I said earlier in the podcast here that, you know, we're, we're a scouting development, but, you know, there, there comes a point where, yeah, sometimes you need to go outside your organization and add a few pieces. And we probably will have to do that because some of the kids we're waiting on won't be ready. Uh, I don't think we're that far away. I don't disagree with you. Uh, it, you know, yeah, we're going to have to get, add some pieces of the bullpen, maybe a couple bats here and there. Uh, you know, but you've seen the growth of Brendan Rogers this year, McMahon, uh, you know, as two of the younger players had, uh, the second half of last month, you know, what Sam Hilliard's come up and done. So, I think there's some good pieces, and you know we'll try to add to them. And, you know, never know you might be pleasantly surprised before you anticipate things happen. Billy, when you look at some young guys like Connor Joe and Sam Hilliard, who clearly made improvements, I, I think Connor Joe even going back to spring training always showed he had great plate discipline, a good feel for the strike zone. But it looks like Sam is 
is shorter to the ball and, and the contact rates up and you know if he touches it it's going to go really far um w- when do you start believing as opposed to just saying okay he's had a nice you know week week and a half kind of thing well i think it's you know over time like you said it's, it's the consistency of his bats and how he approaches everything um you know connor's connor's helped us a lot here uh in the last week, uh, you know, Winston James with his at bats, uh, you know, just to say, hey, he can be a piece. Not necessarily they all have to be starters, but especially playing in, in Colorado where it takes a team. Uh, because those guys that normally might only play a couple days, which you need to play three, four because of the altitude and the things we have to deal with. So, uh, you know, you're looking for guys that can help you be, you know, championship players, be part of a championship team. Hey, Billy, in closing, um, you know, over the last uh, couple of months, the improvement on the road, uh, really the dominance, which is, is probably shocking to everyone uh, at home. Uh, how encouraged are you overall with where, where the club started and where they are as, you know, we embark on the middle of August? Um, well, just, I, I'm very happy with, you know, the progress we've made. Um, you know, for pretty much we've played 500 baseball for the last three months. Uh, you know, or close to it, maybe a game or two under. Uh, you know, and so we're showing progress. You know, are we where we need to be? No, but you, you see growth, and uh, you know, with that, I think uh, hopefully some guys take advantage of opportunities. Good deal. Well, um, good thing it's indoors in Houston tonight because uh, I know what the weather's like in the summer there, my friend. A little warm. A little warm. Hey, Billy, I appreciate the time. Continued uh, good luck to you, and uh, we'll we'll talk soon. I'll see you when you get back. My pleasure. Well, again, thanks, as always, to the Rockies interim general manager, Billy Schmidt, who's been in baseball forever as a coach, um, as a scout, and now running the, uh, the Rockies scouting department in the draft for well over two decades, and uh, now we're in the cap of uh, uh, interim general manager. And he will have, uh, I think, an outstanding opportunity to have that tag removed, and we'll find out at some point, I would think, late this season or at the conclusion of the season. Marky, you still with me, brother? Yeah, and you know what? It's I, I wonder, because, Drew, so many people have given the Rockies – zero chance to retain Trevor's story. Am I hearing it right that Billy hasn't ruled that out? No, I don't think you ever want to come out and say, yeah, you know, he's already told us there's no flipping way in the world he's coming back. And and I know Trevor has alluded to that in some interviews that, you know, he's, he's going to see what's out there. He deserves to see what's out there. Um, and, and the Rockies, and, and, and I think Billy Schmidt saying, listen, we're going to make a run at keeping him because Trevor's been a Rocky. He's been a great Rocky and we'd love to continue with him, but you know, that they're only 50% uh, of the equation. So I, I think Billy was answering that by saying, we're not ruling it, it out. We're going to make a run at him. And then ultimately, you know, it's going to be up to him. I think he's going to cultivate, continue to cultivate good relationships. He did that, you know, a, as a scouting director, with young players, and I, I know he's doing that, and he's a constant presence in the clubhouse. He's around the team, and uh, you know a lot of these guys he knew when they were teenagers, um, and uh, so he he's well liked and well respected in that clubhouse. 
Well, it's like, you know, Sully said on this show, I think it was last week, hey, a few pieces in the bullpen, a few a few more bats, and that's ex- that's exactly what Billy just said. Maybe they just give it a go, right? You're only a few pieces. I don't want to say you're only a few pieces away, but are you a few pieces away? Well, I, things have to fall right with any club. You can look at the Tampa Bay Bucks just won a Super Bowl with Tom Brady. There's still going to be questions. There are going to be you know, areas that you think are a strength and then you have some injuries and then all of a sudden a strength becomes a question mark. That is that is sports. And I believe, and I, I said this, man, that the toughest thing for any team to acquire is the requisite starting pitching to truly be a contender. And it's in place. Right, Mark? Especially if you're the Rockies. They have that. And the Rockies understand that. So their offense needs to be better. We all know the bullpen needs to be a a boatload better. So you're going to make a couple of moves, hopefully. That doesn't, you listen, the the free agents that they're going to flirt with, that doesn't mean they sign here. But you have a better chance of signing a bat or two because they're they're coming to a great place to hit than than you are pitchers. So they're going to have to find a way to improve that bullpen. But I don't think they have to be oh, three or four years away where you got to blow the whole thing up. I think they can contend with the right moves, the right good fortune. I always point this out, Marky. We see the Dodgers all the time. The Dodgers have the best roster in baseball, and you can make an argument the last half dozen years they've had the best roster in baseball. And they go out and they go get Mookie Betts, and they just got Max Scherzer, and they just got Trey Turner. But you know what? They have an MVP candidate in Max Muncie who was – a, a guy they got from Oakland for for base for nothing. They got Chris Taylor for Seattle from Seattle for nothing. Those two guys are great stories. They're a huge part of the success of the Dodgers. So even the vaunted Dodgers with the deepest pockets in baseball, they need good stories. And hopefully the Rockies in the next year have some good stories. And maybe it's a Connor Joe. Maybe it's Sam Hilliard finally, you know, I say finally, you know, continuing to figure it out. And he becomes, oh, man, he's a 30 homer, 30 stolen base guy. I mean, you can dream, <laughs> right? The growth of Brendan Rodgers. The growth of Brendan Rodgers. Brendan Rodgers, first hundred at bats in the big leagues. You look like, wow, man, I made, did the Rockies miss on this guy? Drafting him, you know, third overall or whatever it was, third or fourth. I can't remember. Third overall. And now Brendan Rodgers, he looks like a guy that's that's going to be a, a heck of an offensive piece. Seems like he really picked it up, Drew, when you had him on the podcast. I, I think that there's no question. There's direct correlation to when right. Brendan came on to yeah. him taking off. I think you're absolutely right. Really had some pop in the bat after that. Je- Connor Joe as well. Connor Joe hit pretty well after being on this show. There's there's good vibes that come out of joining the Drew Goodman podcast. Look, Marky, listen, you're in for a hell of a week next week. I don't know what you're doing, but I know it's going to be a hell of a week. Yep. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> hey, thanks for jumping on. We're going to do this again. We'll do this uh, periodically. And now you have the the pleasure of, of editing out uh, all the mistakes that I generally make, right? Not that, man. Well, you know, you know, those of you that know Drew know that he, he's a little hard on himself. Yeah. So there's, there's, there's not that many. But, Drew, it's a pleasure week in and week out. Well, listen, uh, 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 I always point this out. Join uh, my good friends, uh, Drew Creaseman, Patrick Lyons, on the DNVR Rockies podcast. 
Uh, they have a lot of fun. I have a lot of fun when I join them each week, and they're and they're very thorough and comprehensive in their coverage of the Rockies and baseball in general. They have the fun. They have fun in the process, and they do a daily uh, podcast. So join my good buddies there on the on the DNBR podcast, Marky. Um, for you and for everybody listening out there, we thank you. Um, stay safe, stay well, and we'll uh, we'll do it again in a week. Thanks, man. Take care. Good to be with you, Drew. You bet. 